0: I'm going to do my best to minister as the Lord if put in my heart. Uh, I'm not going to do this alone today. I've got some friends that will be joining me uh, along the journey this morning. They're going to help me preach. And uh, so I hope that you're going to receive and you're going to be blessed of the Lord. I really want you to open up your heart today. I don't think anybody is here by chance, even though you may have come with friend and family and it, you might have just, well, I think I'll go. I, I believe that you are here by a divine appointment and a divine time in the Lord. So today I'm going to minister to you out of the book of 2 Corinthians. Chapter 5 and verse 17. I'm going to read one verse and then we're going to, we're going to build out of that. But I believe today is going to be a life-changing day for somebody and I believe that you can walk away from here saying I'll never be the same never the same once I encounter Jesus that's our theme that's our topic today that's our title of what we're ministering on I don't like all of those things you know putting titles it gets kind of difficulty I ran into one person you know I preach my heart out all the time and I ran, this happened recently, and I ran into one person and said, I really enjoyed your little talk. <laughs> uh, I, excuse me? <laughs> you know, for a preacher, that messes with you. It really does. Uh, I, I know what they meant. I don't know where they were from. I don't know if they've been somewhere else, but they just kind of, but I'm not here to talk to you. Uh, I believe I've heard from heaven for you. I really believe that with all my heart. I'm not here for religious activity. We have sought the Lord about this day. We believe that God put a word in our spirit to release unto you. And we're going to give it to you the best that we can. So if I'm preaching to some, wonderful. If I'm talking to others, that's great too. But whatever, I want you to be open to what the Lord has to say. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things become new. Can we read that together? They got it on the screen for you. So let's read that together. Can we? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Well, I'm here to tell you today, I don't know where you are in this part of your life. You may need a change. And I believe that all things in your life can be made new this very moment. Matter of fact, this is what Resurrection Sunday is all about. It's not about us staying the old way. We just sang this incredible song about a God, about a Savior that suffered and died for us but was placed in a tomb and on the third day, He rose again. He rose again in a glorious body. He rose again out of that tomb and as we used to sing an old song years ago, because He lives, I can live also. See, this whole day of celebration is it just something for us to chase Easter eggs in a little while with our kids and grandchildren? Not even to sit around and, and have ham or whatever you're going to have for lunch today. But it is really declaring the brand new life that God has for us through Jesus Christ. And matter of fact, you've got to believe in this day in a risen Savior as much as you got to believe in the Savior that died on the cross. Paul said it like this. He said, how how does it say Romans chapter 10. Somebody help me. I know y'all know the word. So somebody help me. I didn't put this in my notes. So he said, uh, how does that say that? Romans 9, 9 and 10 where he says, if we can believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, that he's the son of God, that he died, and that he what? Rose again. We can be saved. Our salvation is based upon the fact that Jesus got up. It's based on the fact that the tomb is empty. It's based on the fact because that he walked out of it. You and I can walk out of the darkness of sin, death, hell, the grave. And you and I can enjoy that eternal life that comes through Christ. It's interesting to me that right now in God's plan, how God set it all up. That we celebrate Resurrection Sunday in the very beginning of spring. And if you'll notice, if you've noticed like I've noticed. Over the last week, it just looks like the whole world or our world has changed. Leaves are popping out on the trees. Grass is greening up greener than ever. Flowers are pushing through, buds of every kind. Some of you are some of you are dealing with allergies because because of the fact that everything is beginning to bud and blossom. Even creation understands the power of the day that new life has sprung. Therefore creation is responding to the risen savior. I'm confident of that with all my heart. That's why one place Paul said in the book of Romans, he said, all creation, all the earth is groaning for the sons of God to be manifest. Well, when did we start being manifested? When Jesus got out of the tomb. That life began to spring up and it affected absolutely the whole world. So I want to tell you today, no matter where you are, In this stage of life. Maybe your life is a mess. Maybe your life is in a shambles. Maybe your marriage feels like it's about to crumble and end. Maybe you're at at a peak in your world you never thought you would be at. and Maybe some of you just feel like and every one of us get there once in a while. I I just need a new start. I I need a makeover. I, I need something fresh in my life. Well, I'm here to let you know today, I believe God can do that this very day. If you're willing and choosing to believe Him. Now, notice what the Word said. Notice what the Scripture says. It said, if any man, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. He said, any man. So that doesn't limit anything, right? Who's any man? It means any man. It means any of you in this very room right now. It doesn't matter if you're male or female. It doesn't matter if you're black, white, yellow, purple, polka dotted. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're African, Asian, if you're Southern Missourian or West Kentuckian or you're from Southern Illinois. It just absolute. I know we got people here from New Jersey. So it doesn't even matter if you're up way up north and you talk so much different than us. It really doesn't matter. You can be a new creation. You can enjoy the life that God always intended for you to live through Christ. Any man. Look at your neighbor and say, that's any of us. You can enjoy that today. So, what does it mean to be in Christ? So, here's the key. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. So, to be in Christ. Now, This is Zach's version. It's a lot deeper, I know, but I'm just going to put it out here because we don't have enough time to, what's the word, to exegete everything that we need to unfold and put it out there so proper. But it says this, in Christ simply means this. Those who have have stepped to believe and receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Those who have experienced that new birth encounter, or as as Jesus said, "Except a man be born again," I believe it goes even. I believe it goes even deeper than that. I believe it means that you have recognized. And you've acknowledged and you've accepted that Jesus now is the acceptable sacrifice for our sins. And he is the only way into all of the goodness and all of the promises and the life that God has intended for us to live. See, that's what simple terms means to be in Christ. You believe that? Matter of fact, it goes deeper than that. It means I'm all in. I'm all in. How many of you don't lift your hand, but how many of you are all in? See, there's a lot of believers, but not everybody's all in. In our part of the world, if you go around and ask people, do you believe in Jesus? I guarantee you, most everybody will say, yeah, I believe in Jesus. But just because you believe in Jesus don't mean squat. It really doesn't. It really doesn't if you don't partake of it. But you've got to be all in. I believe we're in a moment of time that we've got to be all in. Let me get a little bit carnal or a little bit earthly here for a moment. I'm a Cardinal fan. Now I don't play for the Cardinals, but I'm all in. I'm all in. They don't have me on the field, but I'm in the stands. Whether I'm in the ball game or at home watching it on my, I'm all in. When they win, I win. We won. We won. Oh, we won! I didn't do nothing. I sit there and drank my pop, ate something, and I had a good time. But when they're losing, man, you guys stink. What's wrong with you? Get come on, come on. What's some of their names? I just come, come on. Uh uh arenado come on man sitting at home are sitting somewhere like buffalo wild wings uh you know arenado gets up he's ready to hit that home run matter of fact he hit number 300 last night come on man you can do it you can do it one more time and we're sitting there screaming and hollering got our jerseys on got our face painted with cardinal red we are all in But see, there's other people. You believe in, you you know the card, Yeah. Yep. I know them. Good team. But they're not in it like I am. I hope that you're catching my point. This isn't about the St. Louis Cardinals. I'm trying to get you to see what being all in is. Because I believe we're in the day and the hour. And if we're going to walk out in the fullness of God. Matter of fact, God doesn't have a problem telling you. I, I expect you to be all in. I really want to walk in all the blessings of God. So God says something like this in Deuteronomy 28. He said, hey, if you want all my blessings, that's a great chapter of blessings, by the way. He said in that place, he said, I'll, I'll make you the head, not the tail, above and not beneath. I'll bless you coming in, bless you going out, all these good things. But the first verse of that chapter starts out with something like this. If you want to walk in my blessings, you got to turn from your evil ways. And you got to commit yourself to do everything I told you to do. That's all in. That's all in. And that's what God is expecting us in this moment to be all in. Look at your neighbor and say, we got to be all in. The Bible said, if any man be in Christ, if he's all in, he is a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, everything becomes new. What a promise that you and I can have. What a promise that I can lay a hold of. Another translation says something like this. It says, now if anyone is in Christ, he has become an entirely new person. All that is related to the old has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. Wow. What a promise that can happen to you today. Everything about your life be fresh and new. A brand new start. Matter of fact, if you're in Christ... You don't need to be living like you're out of Christ. When I say this, I'm talking about sometimes you can be in Christ, but you still haven't figured out, wait a minute. I don't have to live like I did yesterday. He's given me a brand new start. Listen, there's not a person in this room today. There's not a person in this room that God can't give you a new start here today. I don't care what it is. I don't care where it is. I don't care if it's spiritual. I don't care if it's physical, financial, relational. I, I don't care where it is. There's not a person in this room that God can't give you a brand new start. You know, I'm going to ask one of my friends to get ready here and speak for me. Because I want to tell you, I didn't see her before. But to look at her now, I t- no, you're lying. That couldn't be you. You you, you got too great of a smile to, to tell me you live like that. Or maybe you're too sweet to say you really were like that. I'm telling you, every one of us in this room can have a brand new start. I want you to listen to my friend Jennifer for a moment. Listen to her story and see the transformation of God.
1: I lived a life of severe, debilitating drug addiction for over 20 long years. I had a $1,000 a day crack cocaine habit, which led me to a life of crime. It led me to a life that spiraled completely out of control until there was no life at all. My family never knew where I was. They would put up signs and billboards, posters for people trying to find me. They searched the streets for me. I walked the streets of East St. Louis. I dug in dumpsters. I lived in burned out abandoned buildings. I was a completely lost soul. There was so much wickedness and sin all around me and just utter sadness and black darkness to the point so dark I can't even describe it. I was just so very lost. My life of crime led me to jail and one day in a cold dark jail cell, The crushing weight of my sin just brought me to my knees and I cried out to God for help and immediately I felt the love of Jesus just flow all over me. It was overwhelming and I could not believe that someone loved me so much after all I had done and all the sin that I had committed. But I felt true freedom right there in that jail cell. I was a total prisoner, yet I had freedom. I felt so much liberty because I knew that I was no longer going to be held accountable for my past sins and failures because of what Jesus did for me on the cross. I ended up going to Teen Challenge and truly turning my life around for the Lord. And I will say, when Jesus touched me, I was never the same.
0: Wow. Jennifer, you're in the room. Stand up and let everybody see you back there. Give Jennifer a hand this morning. Thank God for that testimony. Thank God for that testimony. And, and you know, if he can do that for Jennifer, he can do that for you. And, and I know that most of you say, but Pastor, I, I haven't been that bad. I, I haven't, I, I didn't get that far out there. Uh, matter of fact, I know nothing about that life. I don't. Me and my wife were church kids. That world is so foreign to me. We never got involved in that. But that really doesn't matter. Because I needed an encounter with Jesus just as great as Jennifer. Matter of fact, I'm going to tell you, everyone in this room, I promise you. Every one of us in this room needs an encounter with Jesus that will make us never the same again. And I'm going to give you three reasons why. I'm going to give them to you real quick. The first one is this. It's just simply sin. It's just simply sin. The Bible said we've all sinned. And come short of the glory of God. I know, you're, I know you look innocent and I know you think you're all that in a bag of chips. I know you think you're all sweet and life is going so good for you. But that's the deception of sin. See, the sin is so deceiving because we're convinced I don't do anything bad. I don't chew. I don't smoke. I don't cuss. That's old Pentecostal stuff. When I talk about chewing, I'm not talking about gum. I'm talking about those tobacco worms. You know, those that chew tobacco and all that. I, that stuff got you to hell when I grew up. I didn't do any of that. I didn't cheat, didn't run around. We're not into pornography. We don't, we, we don't, that's the deception. I got a great family. I got a beautiful wife. I've got great kids, or I got a great husband and great kids. I, I got a beautiful home. I got a great job. I got cars. I got money. Pastor, how can sin be so deceiving? That's the key right there. Because it's not based upon what you've got on the outside. It's based upon what has happened in your heart. That's the deception of sin. You can live your whole life and not realize, wait a minute. I've never been transformed from a sinful nature into the nature that God intended for me to live. Sin is incredible. It's dark and it's deceptive. And it's pleasurous for the moment according to what the word says. Here's a second reason that we need, that most of us need this transformation. We need this encounter with God so that we can never be the same. You probably wouldn't think about this, but religion. If you want to know what an enemy is, religion can be almost deceptive as sin. Because religion can bring you to church, and this is what it does. I'll come to church, I'll lift my hands, I'll pay my offering, and I'll walk away. I have done service unto the Lord, therefore that service has gained me me favor with God. Well, it is the right thing to do. You ought to do that. You ought to come to church. You ought to raise your hands and praise the Lord. You ought to bring your offerings of worship. And yes, it does please God. But religion is deceptive in this fact. Because it convinces you that if I do all of these works, I have pleased the Lord instead of embracing His offering and sacrifice for me so that I don't have to labor at being righteous in His eyes. And religion eats at a lot of us. Because if I don't show up, my heart condemns me. If I didn't get through the day right, I feel I didn't pray enough. I didn't read enough. All of those are good things. But if your heart is constantly condemning you, you are walking in more religion than you are of the grace and mercy of the Lord. Here's the third reason most people, and this probably could impact everybody in the room. It's just simply this. It is our hurts, it is our disappointments, it is our wounds that come through life. And many can carry them our entire life. I sat with an individual just this week that talked about some wounds. Of how that it has affected the future of their family. How it's impacting their family. Something they had nothing to do with but it's wounds back there. I was with one of our veterans the other day. had a cap on. Uh, On the cap was PTSD. And then on the brim was these words. That not all wounds are visible. And a lot of people are walking with wounds. They're walking with disappointments. They're walking with hurts. Some of you have been disappointed in relationship. And you wonder why can't I get. Why can't I seem to get it to stick. Why can't I, why do I keep going from one relationship to another? It's not that you're bad. It's probably not that they're bad. But sometimes it's issues on the inside of us that we haven't been able to get healed up. And so we keep falling into the same same old routine and the same old rut. But people deal with hurts, habits. We deal with wounds that God can heal. There's not a wound that Jesus this morning, not a wound outside, not a wound inside, not a wound in your family, not a wound anywhere that God can't deal with. We need an encounter with the Lord. And I'm telling you, when you encounter Him, you will never be the same. You're never the same once you truly encounter God. We could give testimony after testimony, but time won't allow us to do that of people that have encountered the Lord and how it transformed their life, that you would look at them and never believe that was the same person, just like Jennifer back there. If I would saw her in that period of time on the street and seared her, I probably would have never dreamed that. I've got a brother that lived there. I, I've got a brother that lived like that through alcoholism. That was almost killed. Run over a man and killed him in his car because he was drunk. But to see an encounter with God transform him is mind blowing. Only God could do such a thing. So how does this transformation? If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. So how does that happen? How can I find that? How can I really receive that? We're going to follow the pattern of Jesus that he gave us. In the last few days of Jesus' life and up to resurrection. Last week, if you were here, and I'm not preaching that message again, Jesus comes riding in on a donkey to Jerusalem. The subtitle or the title of the chapter in the book, and everybody would know it like this, the triumphant entry. And Jesus would go to an upper room and meet with his disciples and have a meal with them that was speaking of covenant and what he was getting ready to do. He was sharing them. And this is the first place that he come after he came out of that upper room. He went into a place called Gethsemane into a garden. And in the garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane at the foot of the Mount of Olives, he comes in. To this garden. He takes his disciples. He said guys you got to come with me. He brings a few of them. He said y'all stay here. Takes Peter, James and John. Comes a little bit farther. And Jesus begins to pray. Because he knows now. What he's getting ready to face. That our victory. Is dependent. Upon a decision. That he's getting ready to make. You have to understand how close it was. For us. That this would never be. It was this close. As he went into the garden, he prayed a prayer like this Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. He gets up, he goes back to his disciples. I guess if he's like me, he probably prays like I do. I get on my knees a while, get up, walk around. Most of the time I'm I'm walking around, then go back. But he went back and sees his disciples Guys, I need you to stay with me, I need you praying. He goes back again a second time and he prays. And now it's getting intense. It's getting intense. He's feeling the weight of what is coming. But the weight of what is coming is hanging in the balance between you and me and his will. Of whether he will do this or not. Matter of fact, he begins to agonize. Greatly agonize. Until one of the writers said this. That his sweat became as great drops of blood. You talk about intense. You talk about agonizing. Father, if it be your will. I don't know, Miss Judy. I don't know if he had a clue of what he was getting ready to walk through. I know what had been prophesied. I know what the prophets had, of old had been told. And there were no doubt things along the way that he knew he was going to encounter. But the reality of what he was facing was far greater than what his flesh could even handle. And he began to agonize. Father, if there's any way, if there's any way, God, please let this cup pass for me. And it got greater. The intensity, the agonizing over one decision got greater till John or one of the writers said this that an angel came from heaven just to strengthen him and encourage him don't give up. You can do this, you can make this. Go read the Bible, it's in there. That's an intense agonizing over one decision. Will I go to the cross and die for a group of people that have rejected me? I want to tell you that's where it starts with you today, friend. It starts with the decision. That's one of the greatest places that we have. Most everything in life starts with the decision. Everything that we do basically has a decision. Believe it or not, we're going to make a big decision in a few moments. And that great decision is, where are we going to eat? And I believe it can be just as intense as it was for Jesus in the garden. I don't know, this is what I'm going to do. This is where I'm going to go. But you've got to come to that place to make a decision. He doesn't expect you to agonize like him. But I know many of you know, and the whole issue is really this. It's a battle of your will and his will. You want to know why it's so difficult? It's a battle of your will or his will. Are you going to hang on to your will? Are you going to fight and say, I can do my life any way I want? Or am I ready to surrender to Jesus? And I've come to learn this, that God values freedom so much, friend, that he will let you live your life any way you want to live it. Even if he knows it's going to destroy you. It's a battle of flesh and spirit. That's why it's so hard. I've been in meetings, meetings like this where people have heard the gospel. You've heard the message and you know you needed a change. And they would have such a grip on the back of the chair such a grip on the pew that their knuckles would turn white because they're fighting against the will and the plan of God. Friend, if you want a new creation, you be a new creature, a new creation, have a change in your life, you got to be willing to let go, let go of your will and say, God, no longer my will, but your will be done in my life. Starts with the decision. You know, I believe in every man's life. When I say every man, I'm talking to everyone in this room. There are pivotal moments of your life that come that you may only get one time. That can turn you for eternity. That could cause you to be successful. It can mean every bit of the difference. That you'll be brought to a place of decision. Will I follow that or will I keep doing my own way? Thank God there's usually more than one. But I believe that there are pivotal moments of people's lives because God is not willing that any of us perish, but that we would all come to repentance. Here's the second thing. Jesus went to the cross. You and I got to embrace the complete and finished work of the cross. You got to embrace it you got to receive it and recognize it that it is complete and it is finished in itself. Have you ever heard this verse? If you've been in church, you probably have. Jesus would say it's found in several of the Gospels, but I'll just give one of them. Mark 16, 23. It says something like this. If any of you deserves to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. How many heard that verse? Something similar. I've read that many times, and I've always asked this question. Well, what cross am I supposed to take up? And I got to thinking about this and looking at this, and I believe God began to unfold something to me. He's talking to his disciples, right? He's talking to all these followers. But he didn't tell a one of them to die on a cross. There wasn't a cross appointed for them to die for their salvation. Matter of fact, of all 12 of the disciples, I think there were, what, two, three, maybe? I don't know exactly how many that were were martyred by being hung on a cross. Peter was hung upside down on a cross. But what was Jesus talking about right here? What was he after? What was he telling them? If you want to be my disciple, let him come after me. Let him deny himself. That's a key right there. Let him deny himself and let him take up his cross and follow me. The Passion Translation says this. If you truly desire to be my disciple, you must lay your life down completely and embrace my cross and surrender to my ways. That's what Jesus is asking us. That's what the Father is asking us. Is to embrace everything that he did at the cross. I'm not talking about the wood beam. I'm talking about the work that went on on the cross. I'm talking about what Jesus did for us at the cross. May I tell you, at the cross, let me give you a few things that happened. He satisfied the heart of the Father to be the acceptable sacrifice of sins. No longer is it our labor. No longer is it our effort. There's not one thing I can do to get rid of my sin other than embrace what Jesus did for me at Calvary. That's the only one. Friend, you can pay penance the rest of your life. You can labor to be pleasing, but the only way way is to embrace what Jesus did at the cross. Matter of fact, at the cross, the cross becomes a pathway, a new way for you and I to step into the brand new life of God. As one, one writer said, We are translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. What the cross does, the cross can bring an end to the sin and to the things that have gripped your life. And here's the deal, when you really embrace the cross, the Bible said it must, sin must bow at the foot of the cross. It becomes a stopping place for the old life. But it becomes a pathway for you and I to enjoy the brand new life that is in Christ. It also, there's so many benefits from the cross. And I'm talking about from the cross of everything that Jesus did all the way to it. There's healing. There's deliverance from anything that binds you. The Bible said in Isaiah 53, 5, he said, he was wounded for my transgression bruised for my iniquity and the chastisement of my peace is upon him and with his stripes I am healed everything that was about me Jesus took it he that knew no sin became sin for me if you and I could picture this this morning The weight and the sin of the whole world was resting upon Jesus. I said this to you the other day. After looking at Jesus, after they had beaten him and scourged him the way they did. One writer said that it would make people throw up. If you could look at this. I know that we see Jesus, but I want you to see something for a moment. I want you to see what sin looks like. Because he literally became sin. So when you look upon the tree and you see Jesus hanging there you don't just see a man you see the ugliness of sin and what sin does to a man's life but he came to set us free he nailed the handwritings, the handwriting of ordinances that was against us the legal actions the legal rights but pastor you don't know what I did you, you don't know what I did the Bible said that he took it to the cross And he openly displayed, he openly publicly made an end of that. He broke the legal action. Matter of fact, the complete finished work when Jesus said it's finished on the cross. There's a word there for the word finished. In the Hebrew and Greek, it would say this, it's telestai. And it's got three different meanings or three different, uh, well, just we could say three different definitions. In the business world, it would mean this. To be paid in full. How I many's ever had had a debt paid off for you? Boy, that's a great feeling. If even a bill, credit card, car, house, whatever, but that's what it means in the business world. paid in full. What does paid in full mean? You don't know anything. He took care of that in the, in the judicial world. In the courtroom, it would mean this. The sentence has been fully served. Wow. You don't have to live your life, the rest of your life, struggling over the sins of your past. Because the sentence has been paid in full. And in the military sense, this would be what it would mean. The battle is fully won. The enemy has utterly and completely been defeated. That's what it means to embrace the cross. That's the benefit. There's another benefit. just simply means this. It's the promise of wholeness. Boy, this is a good one. The promise of being whole. It means to be entire. In an unbroken and unchanged state. To be in one piece. Nothing missing. Nothing broken. It means being a healthy, sound condition. Free from injury. Not divided or scattered. When you embrace the cross, He can make you whole. And there's one other benefit that I want to share that we don't think a lot about. But he made peace with heaven. He made peace with God for us. We're, we're not striving against heaven. And because I have peace with God, I've got peace within me. Jesus said to his disciples before he left, he said, I give you my peace, not as the world gives you, but my peace. Peace. That will walk to you through anything that you will ever face through this life. You can have peace. I want one of my other friends to talk to you now. His name is Charlie. Charlie just a couple, maybe just months ago. Went through a moment that it looked like it was all over. COVID had hit him harder than what you could imagine. But through that. The thing that brought him through was the prayer of the saints, but was this incredible peace that was in the heart of Charlie. Let's listen to Charlie.
2: I was intubated for a 15-day period. Many people have asked me about the experience of what I experienced, what I felt, et cetera. We all experience life-changing events, whether we recognize them or not. In October of 21, I experienced the plague of COVID and was hospitalized for 2 months or so. In that time frame, I believe it was only the prayers of my church body, prayers across the world literally that brought me through. In that time frame, there was nothing with me that was not included in a spirit of peace. There was peace that surrounded everything that I went through, including the time on a ventilator, the time that I I spent in in recovery of nearly two months. But it was a spirit of peace that completely filled the atmosphere where I was. Thank you, Jesus, for that. I will never be the same. Wow, Charlie's
0: in the room this morning. Stand, Charlie. Let him see you this morning. Wow. Friend, that same peace that brought Charlie through, that same peace can be yours today by embracing what Jesus did for us at the cross. Here's the final piece. Here's the final piece. You must respond to his voice that is calling your name. And telling you it's time to get up out of your grave. And start living. You must respond. I've wondered about this part of the story. All we know is that Jesus said he was going to get up. Everybody was anticipating it in one sense. And yet doubting it in another. Matter of fact that had been told to the. To the rulers of the day, this, this guy says he's going to get up on the third day. I believe you ought to put a watch over the tomb just in case his disciples come and take him away. His disciples, though, hearing those things, knowing that Jesus said he was going to rise again, They were fearful by the events, thinking now this is going to happen to us. So really, they're in hiding. So at the first of the week, the first of that day, that Sunday morning, I should say it like that. If I could say it like that, here comes Mary going to the tomb, only to get to the tomb to find that it's empty. And I thought, okay, how did Jesus get up? What happened? What happened? And when you look through the pattern of the word death was the last enemy that jesus would deal with and there were several people that jesus rose raised from the dead through the through the time of his ministry and if i recall right that each one of them he would go one of them was a young girl i believe it was he took her by the hand declared the voice and said arise. I believe her name may have been Tabitha. Something to that effect. Took her and he said. Tabitha arise. There was another man. He wasn't dead. But if we're waiting for 38 years. For the troubling of the water. And Jesus came to him and said. Will you be made whole? The man said. I don't have anybody to put me in the water. That's not what he said. He said. Do you want to be made whole? The man responds, as soon as I get here, somebody gets ahead of me. That's not what I'm asking you. Do you want to be made whole? Then get up and take your bed and go. The last great miracle that Jesus did, he had a friend. He was a friend to people. He had a family that he was very close to. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Mary was one that Jesus done a great work in her life. Many would know she's the one that sat at his feet. Martha was messed up a little bit because she was anxious about all of her serving and couldn't figure out why not everybody else was doing what she was doing. And Lazarus, just a good old boy. Never doing no harm. Just <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where that came from. <laughs> Y'all knew I start just a good old boy, but this is what the word said. John Levin, you'll find it. That Lazarus gets sick. And Mary and Martha. Go to Jesus and they say something like this. The one whom you love. The one whom you love is sick. Will you come in healing? I like that part. Because I believe he says that about all of us. You're the one I love. And Lazarus was sick and. So his disciples said, Master, we'll go. But Jesus waits and he tarries and the sisters go back. And the disciples keep him. hey, Jesus, don't we need to go check on Lazarus? And, and Jesus says this, he's just sleeping. He's just sleeping way before he ever gets there. And he begins to wake. He waits two days and then he says, okay, let's go. And then along the journey, he makes reference, he said, Okay, Lazarus is dead. But he keeps making his way. And as he gets into town, gets into the village, the sisters meet him. One of them says something like this. If you had have only been here, this wouldn't have happened. And Jesus speaks these words to him. to them. He said, don't you know that I am the resurrection and I am the life? Don't you know that I'm the resurrection and the life? All I'm going to do is speak and he's going to get up. Don't worry. But he's watching the people weeping. He's watching the mourners. I'm putting all of this in Zach. He's watching all the mourners that are weeping. And then the Bible says in one place in there, and Jesus wept. His humanity kicked in for just a moment, and he felt what the people were feeling. He felt their need, the cry, but he still the resurrection and the life, friend. I want you to know this morning he can feel where you are, but he still the resurrection. And so to make an end to this, Jesus comes in, and he says, "Okay, let's let's take care of the problem." And somebody says, "But Master." He's been dead now four days. He waited this whole time because he told him up front. He said, this is nothing but for the glory of God. I want to tell you, I can take, this is what he's saying. I can take what seems to be impossible situations that you think everything is over. And it really stinks. Because there was a reason I believed for four days. Three, three, the third day, most of the Jews would believe that the spirit has departed the body. The fourth day, the body starts literally starts breaking down itself according to what I've read. So now it's all happening. It looks like it's absolutely over. So what does Jesus say do? He says, remove the stone. And here's what Jesus did. He didn't have a magic potion. He didn't wave a magic wand. He didn't need any of the junk of this world. All he said was this. Lazarus, come forth. I don't think he had to scream at Miss Judy. I don't think he had to shout at Donnie. I believe all he did was say, Lazarus, come forth. And something on the inside began to respond. Everything that was in that dead, stinking corpse that was there now had to respond. It had to hear. There was memory of its creator that was still in its being. And the moment that Jesus said Lazarus, it wasn't something about the, oh, I never saw this. To now, it goes back all the way to when he was created by the hand of God in the cell, in the in the in the DNA of the Lord. That it had to respond to its creator. And he said get up. And here comes Lazarus. Hopping out of that tomb in its grave clothes. And I'm here to. Well pastor you still didn't answer about Jesus. I got an idea. Listen. If he had to call out. You and I may not have heard it. But I believe heaven shouted it. I believe Elohim. I believe the heavens shouted, Jesus, get up. And Jesus got up out of that tomb and walked out victorious. That's why he shouted his name. And he's shouting your name today. You can get up out of the dead. You can come out of the tomb. You can come out of the grave clothes. Every one of us have a story. Every one of us, he has called our name. I got another friend I want to tell you about. She, she didn't, she wasn't like, like Miss Jennifer back there. She didn't go through all of that. She's been one of these kind of like me. She had opportunities that she heard. She heard the voice of God had an opportunity, but but kept putting it off to a little bit. Maybe I ought to let her tell her story. So I want you to listen to Adrian for just a moment.
3: The Lord brought someone into my life when I was 17 years old and a senior in high school. Her name was Jewel, and she was a Jewel, a gem. But Jewel wasn't just a Christian. and She actually exuded the presence of God. She had a tangible presence of God in her life, and it made me want to know God more. It w- made me want to have what she had, and it was Easter of 1988, I was 17 years old. I went to my church in the morning and she had invited me to her church for Sunday night Easter service. And I went to the service. I was absolutely blown away by the presence of God, particularly the young people, how they worship God, how they praise God, how they dance before God. And it just made me more hungry for God. At 17, I ended up getting rebaptized and drawing closer to the Lord. Then she began to talk to me about the baptism of the Holy Ghost as the book of Acts talks about. And I began to desire that and seek God for that. It was January 15th, 1988, I was then 18 years old and I received the spirit of God in my life. And I have absolutely never been the same. God's still working on me. We're still on the journey, but I have never been the same. In fact, I had one regret. One regret I shared was that I had not come to the Lord sooner. Here I am all of 18 years old and that was my thought. I wish I hadn't wasted so many years. So God is working on me and uh, I'm just continuing on my journey with the Lord and I'm going all the way with Jesus.
0: Wow. Adrian's in the room. Stand Miss Adrian. Let him see you this morning. He's calling your name. On this April 9th, 2023. He's calling our names. And he's saying, come up. Get out of your tomb. Get out of the grave clothes. Get out of the death and start living the life that I've intended for you to live. Friend, it seems so simple, but yet it's so difficult, isn't it? That all he has to do is me. He already moved the rock. He's already shoved it out of the way. He's just waiting on you. It's that simple. We've made it so hard. We've made everything about being free. We've made everything about, you you know, enjoying this life of heaven. We've made it so difficult other than just saying, Jesus, I believe. That you're the Son of God, that you died, and that you rose again. You're hearing calling your name today? Why are you here? You here because it's Easter? You here because somebody invited you? Are you here because maybe you didn't have anything better to do until everybody comes along? Or could it just be possible that this whole time has been ordained for you? This whole morning has been ordained as though for nobody else but you. How many, like Adrian, maybe heard when she was younger, had an opportunity. Ah, I'll, I'll, I'll do that another day. I'll, I'll do that another day. Well, I know God is merciful. I I know God is gracious. But my Bible says today is the day of salvation. I I know that. This is my moment. If I'm ever going to get free, if I'm ever going to begin to take on something new, it's got to be right now. Because most of us live in this world. Why do today when you can put it off to tomorrow I'll start changing tomorrow and it seems like tomorrow never ever comes and I just keep getting deeper or maybe it's also in the Bible no man comes to the Father except the Spirit draw him And I know right now, Holy Spirit is at work. Right now. I I know He's drawing. Well, Pastor, I'll do it later in the privacy of my home. I I don't know if that... You might pray a prayer and be religious. But if the Bible is true, that the Spirit of the Lord has to do the work... Then you really can't put it off. It's it's now, and he's calling your name. He said, I want to give you a new life, I want to heal your brokenness. I, I want to cause you to never be the same. I, I want to take your mess, and I want to give you a testimony. I want to take your battle. I want to give you a victory. I want to change your life. And I'm here. God says to do it. I want to do it for you today.